You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 135. For this edition of the podcast, I had the chance to chat with Sam R. of the Queens-based electronic pop project Glacio. As Glacio, Sam has been releasing infectious tunes for the last half decade, originally as a duo, and for the last couple of years as a solo effort. Late last month, Glacio released their first ever full length for the very last time. A concept album based around growth and rebirth of someone's character out of a dark space. In our interview, we talked about how folk music influenced Sam's storytelling-focused lyrical style, the introspective and personal themes on For the Very Last Time, the evolution of Glacio's sound, and more. We'll dive right into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your preferred streaming platform. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you'll find reviews, premieres, interviews, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Hey, so I'm here with Sam of Glacio. Congrats on the new album, man. It sounds awesome. Thank you. I've had the summertime tune. Summertime kept the blues away. Oh, stuck yeah. In, stuck in my head. So cool. Thank you. I've been bopping uh, along to it. I'm glad you like that one. A few people have liked that one the most, and that's really nice to hear. Yeah, very seasonally appropriate. The parentheses, especially. It was just going to be the full title, but then we had to put some of that in. It's just important. Yeah, how'd you decide to include that parentheses? I'm always curious why parentheses. Honestly, a lot of these titles are, they do lean on the pretentious side of things. I think unintentionally, but then that's what happened. And I think when you do parentheses, you have to be really careful with how you use them. In fact, that's not a bad song title be careful with how you use the parentheses um or, or, but i don't I, I don't know i just i felt like i felt like it would be idiotic to release a song title that was just summertime and but then I, then again actually because it would just be so obviously idiotic then it wouldn't be so i don't know exactly <laughs> i can't remember when i made that decision i like the decision you made there i like the parentheses gives the tune some flair the title so pandemic a lot of insane shit going on did the pandemic impact this release at all were you still recording or working on it and uh, how have you been spending your time this year yeah um well actually finished all the music before 2020 began and i started writing all the music in early 2019 and finished it around october and i had the whole release set up with you know the people i work with and just doing it single by single five singles every six weeks because i hadn't released anything since early 2019 it felt like a long time so i wanted to do it again and refresh the project. And when it started to happen, like I put out the first song, Are You Having Fun Without Me? And if everything felt normal, sort of, I think people were starting to like pretend to push things under the rug with what was might, what could happen. But I don't think anyone really predicted it. 
the nobody stayed the dj nobody stayed with the d nobody stayed for the dj came out the week before the lockdowns took place and when all the venues are closing and i mean i had a long discussion with my partner and people that i trust about well is this content is this good to continue putting stuff out when the the world the global dialogue is about what we're doing to stay healthy to keep certain groups healthy people that don't have access to healthcare all the fissures in society are now being um exposed to an even more intense degree i don't know it was hard to there are various things that took place you know it was it was also the protests and the the killing of george floyd um a lot of things that came in the way of making me think about what's is this right to release right now and i think i feel like the tone of the release makes made it okay I, i'm not trying to say that the songs are suitable for what people are going through because everyone has their own experience but it felt like the right thing to do and i wanted to continue doing it and it was a way for me to also continue i make a living with you know what i do with this and it was it was literally just a means to stay afloat as well which i'm very incredibly privileged and grateful for so not to get dark but it did influence it did bring up a lot of those questions and some of the songs also weirdly mirrored a lot of the things that were happening like especially with nobody stayed for the dj nobody stayed for the dj simply because i thought about doing the performance of it in an empty nightclub um i wanted to do the premiere in an empty nightclub and i was talking to rami at elsewhere maybe about doing that um and i had no you know no clue <laughs> like that that would happen and just um so it kind of scared me a little bit <laughs> it kind of scared me a little bit yeah what's that like confronting something like that then when your songs take on a new meaning of something that you couldn't even fathom when you originally wrote them <sighs> i mean it's humbling it really is because it's it's it wasn't about that at all you know that song was about when i started djing for the first time to, to zero people are performing in money bands throughout the years to nobody and just the like the existential voice in your head saying you should have been a dentist or um you should have been a musical dentist or maybe you should have incorporated dentistry into your music i, I don't know what kind of mad <laughs> uncle at a picnic out in stockton california would suggest such a thing but um because i went to a really crazy picnic in stockton california in 2004 and there were just it felt like just a league of uncles were that were there um but anyway <laughs> what it, i think i think i think it does it does make the songs feel a little because when you have your own interpretation you know where it came from and then something around you changes and you start you're like oh wow that's malleable and that makes me feel proud because i think i want the songs to have malleable meaning over time and to mean something in four years or five years that's always been the goal for me yeah totally timeless so the the background of this project i know is originally a duo with charles pinnell but it's now your solo project and how would you say that's changed glacio and what was the adjustment like shifting from a collaboration to something where it's now solely your own creative vision it's changed since i'm the only one in this room i wake this is my studio here and i basically have to bounce the ideas off of fictitious fig like characters and thankfully i have a few here i have a bouncy orange guy that if i feel like <laughs> you know i want to test the test the beat out or something <laughs> and see if it works i actually just you know 
bop his head and but yeah i basically have to run ideas out to myself you know there's not as much of a bouncing board and having another you know i've several songs have been written by various people like my we had a drummer uh, charlie misher who is charles fauna who wrote co-wrote two other songs morning house and papaya with us and the three of us would hang out a lot it's always really different and i think with this album it was a very introspective writing experience and i think i wanted to tackle more of a ballad i wanted to make something that felt a little more ballady and chamber pop meets electro pop and for me that that is where i come from with my influences and what what really pushed me to want to start producing myself so i think i sort of just dug into those influences a bit more versus when you're working with other people there's oh listen to this song you know let's listen to this playlist it's like share music together let's go out to gigs together and it becomes more fluid so to speak yeah i i could definitely hear the introspective nature in the lyrics and stuff but it's cool that you're kind of also mentioning it's more representative of you and your experiences in music sonically as well right yeah but it's it's always you know i still show the music to friends i I live close to a lot of my friends um that make music in the area and we we hang out often and well at least back in 2019 we hung out often so (laughs) (laughs) like i'm not trying not you know i'm very socially distant anyone that knows me knows that um but with I, i basically i should be writing jingles for purell at this point but yeah like having friends over still it's it's not i i started making music alone actually so it was kind of a return to that in many ways yeah your background in music is really interesting from what i've read about you your mother uh, is irish and sang with enya and you've talked about in other interviews about how folk musicians like paul simon had a big impact on you and you could totally hear that in how you're a storyteller through your songs and things like that. And I'm just curious about how those early formative years of your life in music basically shaped the way you approach writing and recording music. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, my mom, my mom introduced and my mom and her and her family who lived in Dublin introduced me to a lot of the music that changed a lot of people's lives. Like her brother um, showed me the Sgt. Pepper's cover when I was three and I just remember staring at that cover for hours and my mother's taste has sort of influenced me over time. She loved the cores and bread and the cranberries, like a lot of Irish groups as well. I mean, obviously, and um, Enya. I think I, I go back to those vocals anytime I miss the idea of like crawling on my living room carpet. Well, I don't really remember that, but, <laughs> but there's something about, there's something in there that makes you think you do. And I think that's valuable and somewhat valid and i think the idea that i saw my family home videos kind of makes that makes it sort of it's i've cheated in thinking that i'm sensing something through Enya's music because i heard it in the family video and then my brain's like oh yeah but anyhow i started playing guitar like classical guitar at eight at seven and I was just, you know, what I got from that was I could finger pick after like doing it for six years. And then she gave me um, the essential Simon and Garfunkel when I was 12. And I wasn't really a music fan, like listening, listener. I wasn't a listener at 12. I, I, I was more into film, actually. And I was more into like older films from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I thought I wanted to be a film director. So I was making movies, but then listening to that album 
um, opened up a lot of doors for me, and I and I could play Paul Simon well because I had learned how to finger pick through lessons and doing the Travis picking, and then going through his catalog. You know, he changes his sound so often. So a lot of I just I'm someone that like gets really obsessed with one thing and sticks with it for a very long period of time. So that was that. I was really obsessed with him. I was it was really bad. Like. <laughs> I wanted to wear a hair, a hair piece at 13 because I found <laughs> I found out that he wore one from the one trick pony era till I think after the Cape Man era. And I actually wore one to school and middle school. Um, I literally like taped it to my forehead. And that was very weird, a weird time, <laughs> a very weird period. Because, you know, like if I could have just like if I wanted to be Bowie, everyone wants to look like their fav- very favorite musical idol at that age. And mine just happened to wear a toupee and like I just knew about it. I don't know how. <laughs> I knew it's about cool it. that it's cool that you mentioned around the time that you dove into that kind of folk music. You're also really into film. So I feel like the story telling aspects kind of overlap there yeah and is really comes alive in your music now to this day thank you as well thank you so much i am um, yeah i mean and i still love film and i still wonder what if i do that instead you know it's something like that but but yeah that was the gateway for me and and then brian wilson shortly after and i kind of just went through all those totally. songs all those songwriters and but um thanks thank you to my mother for getting me that cd from virgin megastore <laughs> Great place to get a compact disc. Yeah. And, and when did you start making electronic music? You said you were classically trained a guitar. When did you start making electronic music? When was that transition? Um, I think really seriously in college, I got into NYU and into a music program there. And there were synths there that, you know, I never really even understood how synthesizers worked. I didn't know about waveforms or, you know, subtractive synthesis or anything. And I, I started getting really into keys. I taught myself keys in high school. And for me, once I did that, I had my own relationship with music. It was so amazing. It was just not having to be taught something and you just develop this intimacy with the instrument. And from that point on, I would I would write things that I would like more on piano. So getting into synthesizers in college, one of my professors, Nick, he um, did a one on like a elective class with me, where he taught me a bunch of keyboard keyboard stuff, and I also was friends with um, a guy in the program whose dad's um, Lloyd Cole from Lloyd Cole and the Commotions. Oh, wow. Cool. And, and he joined, he asked me to be in his band. His son asked me to be the keyboard player in his band because we're friends and I knew how to play piano. And they invited me up to their house in Massachusetts to his dad's like synth attic. And they had a poly evolver and a whole modular rack and a Prophet 8 that he was lending to us to use and i would be playing the prophet eight and that was just um he gave me a a synth book called fred welsh's synthesizer manual and that just was so easy to uh, it just made it so easy to understand the whole con like the physics behind synthesizers and i just got hooked and that and from that band onwards whenever i'd make my own music it would be pretty synthy and i was just really getting into it then that's cool your whole story is really cool about how you transitioned into learning about synths and playing synths and stuff 
I want to talk about the album now. We touched on it a little bit at the beginning. Uh, for the very last time, it's out now, and it's your first full length. You previously released EPs and singles. Uh, why did you decide to release these songs in the a traditional full-length format instead of an EP or a string of standalone singles. I know you mentioned there's an overarching concept behind the record as well. Yeah, I I'm not sure. I um I sort of wrote these songs with the rest of them in mind. Like I I think I can't remember the first song was a Million Doubts and I co-wrote that with Charlie Misher and then I I kept listening to that song that I was going to put that on a side project and then I started writing new Glacio stuff and I was just thinking well that would sound good after a million doubts and I started thinking about how to make them works in a sequential way that the ending of one song would severely impact like how you're introduced to the next and I think that is something that I think about often as a DJ and it felt like I wanted to get certain things out of me emotionally that couldn't be done. I think there's a lot of room to get a lot of more complex emotions out on B-sides, which I think is kind of... I actually take that back. <laughs> this is why <laughs> I, I take that back. Um, I actually don't know. But I, I was managing myself when I wrote these songs. So... I had also, it, it felt like a nice start. I want to create 11 songs myself and allow myself space to be weird, which I think is actually makes me kind of cowardly because I think it'd be much more, it would be bolder to come up with five singles on an EP that fit in what you wanted to do in a weird way on the B-sides, which may be my next move. So it might be my next move now. Awesome. And you described the concept of the record as growth and rebirth of someone's character out of a dark space. And I'm always interested in learning more about concept records and what an artist puts into them, how they decide to approach writing and recording them. Is this a concept that you had in mind before you sit down to write this record? Is it something that came to you after you had a couple of songs done and thought, hey, this is pouring out of me, this part of my life or what I'm going through, and then decided, okay, I want to take that a little further. What was the process behind writing for the very last time? Yeah, it was so sudden. I mean, like, it just felt like a f it was not immediate. I didn't have any idea for any concept. Um, I just start, I started singing melodies to myself that I quite liked with all of the songs on this album and most of the time most of the songs I write it's usually hearing everything at once kind of thing because um, I'm so used to producing and writing now simultaneously so I heard you know are you having fun without me really kind of kick-started the the gate that song did it kind of opened up the gate for the rest of them and then shortly after almost forgot how to play guitar and then shortly after make no mistake and then shortly after the rest like the government like the government i wrote that in one night and produced it in the same night i it was a very stream of conscious thing and i and i look back on a lot of the lyrics and i i know i was singing about i want to change for the very last time um at the end of are you having fun without me and then randomly used the same lyric at the end of white wine and 909s and i thought well that's kind of a fun album title like it's happening twice like Maybe that's cool. I love albums where 
the title of the album is a lyric in the song that you get to either halfway through or right at the end of the first song. And then after that, yeah, I just started thinking about what I had been through the year prior and how these songs were naturally a reflection of that prior year, 2018, which was a year of severe change in my life and how this album sort of was a test, you know, can you trust yourself? Do you have, I've, you know, been a sh I was, I grew up a shy kid with a lot of self-confidence issues and, and music was always a good shield for that. And who do you want to become? Because I wanted, because of that year of change, did I really think I was changing for the very last time or was I changing for the very first time? And like, I think I wanted that question to be something that I would explore in the album, but very much after I had conceived the songs i was thinking about this because lyrics are usually like the last thing on my plate when i work yeah and and how challenging was it for you to have to sift through some of these personal experiences and get really introspective on the record i know are you having fun without me specifically stands out as a really powerful probably challenging song to have to deal with specific memories and experiences in your life yeah i mean i would just finish the songs or get as far as i could and then go to a bar and put headphones on and drink and listen to them and see how it would feel to be drunk to them and i think that was one way to deal with it i just it wasn't it was cathartic it really was cathartic i wanted to get stuff out of me and i felt like like you know not to sound like cliche but like the in in the late 2018 i was not feeling great you know i was just really confused about like the changes that had taken place in my life and i think i i mean i was really not feeling good so i i basically didn't drink for a bit and um and i've gone through a lot of periods where i do that and i took a couple of four months i'd say away from drinking and i put a lot of energy into the songs um when and starting them and well, I was working on them. It just felt fun, you know. It felt really fun, and I. It just felt like building. It felt like a Jenga game when you're starting, and no one else is there to like try to pull a brick out. Jenga is a really fun game when you don't have to pull the bricks out because <laughs> it's actually it's not fun. It's just weirdly, it makes you feel weirdly great about yourself when the Jenga pieces are completely aligned. Although no one does that, it's a very strange concept. It's sort of like going to disneyland and playing nintendo stitch outside the walls of disneyland which is kind of sounds better than going to disneyland i think i i agree yeah I need to go to <laughs> i'm not a disneyland fan and by any means but i know a lot of people are so yeah how would you say your sound has evolved since you started this project this most recent record it's definitely melancholic sounding but very danceable as well how would you say your sound has evolved since this glacio project started i think i mean this record is less housey than um previous releases i, I mean I, I think myself um i was very very deep into house in 2016 2015 till 2017 especially i think that influence is sort of I still love house music and I still DJ it all the time. But I think with the songwriting on this album, it's less it's less there. I think it's become a little bit more dream poppy. I think I'm tapping into more influences like Brian Wilson, Beach Boys Love You era, 
meets Vincent Clark meets Trevor Horn, that whole era. And I think just a little bit more, a little less polished. Our first EP was incredibly polished, and like it, like certain people liked it, and that was, and I'm and I'm grateful for that. And it, but we were working with a producer from our program, who I think he's an incredibly talented producer and songwriter. But it came from a very pop sphere. Vocals were really loud, drums were very loud. The synths were a little more subdued. You could barely hear the counter melodies. And a lot of that decision making, of course, was on me and Charlie, who was also in the group at the time. But it just sounds like Sprite to me. A lot of the earlier stuff, there's a lot of fizzle and sizzle, and it just makes me think about opening up a Schweppes ginger ale bottle <laughs> um, at a gas station after like watching, like listening to a bunch of like Radio Disney stuff. Like it's just that's great, and I just I don't think I don't know. I just felt like it was. Worked on a little bit too much, um, and I I didn't want to work too intensely on this stuff, you know. Yeah, how do you, how are you able to, I guess, self regulate in not working too intensely on stuff? Because in talking to a lot of different musicians, sometimes I try to avoid getting too too not they still self produce, but they try to kind of step away because they feel like they'll be working on the same project forever and ever. How are you able to kind of balance that? Yeah, it's so tricky. I mean, I like to pull up YouTube like videos of random things and think, well, does this work with that? And because I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone synced this with this and there was a marketing team behind and that there were a bunch of professionals that went to, um, that went to Rice University to study marketing. That like decided that this would work with that, and I try to put myself in that headspace and not worry too much about tuning everything and quantizing everything. And that's when things just become like so stale. And it's um, it's hard with electronic music because it's you know you're creating human touch through just moving your mouse versus having friends that could do that for you. I think I just I don't know. I think it's an instinct thing. It's yeah. almost like you've done you don't want to keep you don't want to add another vocal to the four you don't want to embellish this like the song the government for instance and i think i can i bring this one up because it happened so quickly and i have such a quick memory of that night but there's only a kick and a clap and then a couple of toms and it just I think it worked. I don't want if I had added embellishments or if I had added another snare on every other clap, it would have ruined it, you know? Totally. And do you have a favorite song on the record or a song that you feel most proud of from it? I like almost I like almost forgot how to play guitar. I think um I really like the melody. I think it's pretty and and then I also like Nobody Stayed for the DJ. And I like Thunderbirds. I like I like those a lot. I think they melodically really like it just speaks really close to my heart, you know, the melodies. I feel like I really if I was a if I was a teapot, <laughs> I I definitely like poured myself really intensely into those. And I would love to be a teapot or at least in the next life. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. So, all proceeds from the album are going towards the black mental health alliance everyone you can get the record at 
glassio.bandcamp.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about that organization, why it's important to you, and why you uh, selected it to donate the proceeds from the the record to. Yeah, I heard about the organization through friend Brandon Rowan, who was donating to Young Black Minds Matter. And the organization is in is Maryland based. It's it, they help set up um, services for 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 people to go and get the right sort of to have people to talk to. Mental health is something very important to me, and I and I a lot of it. If I was going to release the album, I wanted this to accompany black communities that need those resources, and it's something that is. I, I mean, originally I was looking at reclaim the block, and I. I had a long discussion with people about looking towards like smaller organizations to help. Totally, yeah. Um, I feel like my contributions would would be valuable regardless, but it felt like more so re- valuable to smaller organizations. I try to do that in anything I do. And I looked into them, and they it felt it was the only way I would continue with this. Um, I li- like when everything happened. I had just put out a song called "Make No Mistake," and a lot was, you know, going into that song, and I, I just, I, I sh- did not want to touch the. I didn't want to promote it, you know. Like it literally came out the same week, and I just shut up about the song. I didn't want to say anything about it, um, and also I felt disgusting because some of the lyrics were like, "I'll fight the wars outside and pray," and like just people going to the street, and I just thought people are going to think I'm monopolizing off of this or trying to be opportunistic, which is my biggest fear ever is trying to exploit stuff like this and that was what i was afraid of with nobody stayed for the dj as well sorry i'm being very tangential but basically yes 100 percent of my Bandcamp profits are going to a gofundme that i have set up which people can find if they go to my instagram and go to my link tree um i have a link to my gofundme on there and then also 50 percent of all streaming income is going to that too until the goal is reached which is two thousand dollars that's awesome that's great everyone definitely check that out super important cause and that's really great that you're doing that all right so let's uh let's play some songs from the record i was mentioning at the top that summertime kept the blues away is stuck in my head so definitely want to play that uh you had mentioned you liked almost forgot how to play guitar and and i guess we could do the government as well that's another song i really liked from the record thank you thank you it's awesome everyone again the record is called for the very last time and you could stream it on all streaming platforms and it's also available at glassio.bandcamp.com we're going to play some songs from it and we'll be back Summer 
We're back. We heard some songs from Glacio's brand new record. It's out everywhere you can stream music at. It's called Or the Very Last Time, and you could also get it at glacio.bandcamp.com. We heard Summertime Kept the Blues Away, Almost Forgot How to Play Guitar, and The Government. Congrats on the release of this awesome album, Sam. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. All right, and now we're going to play some records from a record collection that you picked. Always happy to see XTC make someone's list. XTC Black Sea. Really great album by probably my all-time favorite band. The cool thing about them was this is a big kind of transition point for the band in their catalog where they're kind of more new wavy before that, but still moving away towards that. And it's just a really great record, Black Sea. Yeah. So you definitely know, I think, more about XTC than me because Plans for Nigel and stuff was my introduction. Was that before this album? Yes, right. Bef- the album right before, yeah. Yeah. And I think this one adds in, uh, I mean, a lot of that obscure sound, Brian Eno stuff had such an impact on a lot of these people, I feel like. And there's just, um, I mean, we were just talking about the Sonambulist, which is incredible. And it just, I just, I feel like this is a weird interpretation of it, but I, or image rather, but I feel like if Kermit the Frog had some really deep, dark dreams, um, this would be the voice that would soundtrack those deep sleep dreams of some skeletons in Kermit's closet. Um, <laughs> which is, which makes me question my brain. Why am I so easily falling asleep to this? Cause it is absolutely wonderful to fall asleep to that final song on black sea. I've been doing that for literally months, especially during the first lockdown for me. That was a really calming song. Excellent choice. Excellent song up next street hassle by the great Lou Reed. This one um, is, okay, let's take his misogynistic lyrics um, aside for the second. Recording-wise, it was one of the first songs to be recorded with binaural recording, which he ended up doing on the bells and on half of this record, this half a live record, but the song itself has always taken me to Avenue A and 9th Street. I always picture that row of houses on, <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. on on 9th street and avenue a and i have no clue i feel like the hotel where this overdose takes place in the first half of the song has always been that block for me and it's just incredibly east village and then of course you have bruce springsteen on there not credited because of his issues i think with john hammond at the time but i just absolutely love the string parts and I, I i used to just curl up in bed and listen to this in college all the time it's an awesome record awesome song next up camera obscura hey lloyd i'm ready to be heartbroken off of let's get out of this country i think this is my favorite record by them just really great indie twee pop from glasgow it's beautiful it was one of these i think in 2015 i was really into this i love the song it's referencing as well um are you ready to be heartbroken by lloyd cole and who made a career in glasgow and they're a very good scottish band um (laughs) i really i know i really love camera obscura (laughs) but it's really no there's something really good that the orchestration i miss things being orchestrated in a smashing pumpkins cranberries kind of way which i thought this song does really well in its intro it sort of brings back that early 90s like 
um, that early '90s sound a bit um, with some of those bands. Yeah, absolutely. It has that. It's a feel-good sound. It's really good. It's like you definitely want like really fresh orange juice um, to drink with it. It re- works really well with orange juice and um, overcast skies. Basically, eat things that make you think of the sunlight. But eat them at a time when there's no sunlight. Yeah. And this song, that song works really well for it. Spot on. Totally spot on. After Camera Obscura, The Beach Boys, A Day in the Life of a Tree off of Surf's Up. Beautiful song written by Brian Wilson. Probably my favorite on Surf's Up. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a toss-up for me between Surf's Up, Till I Die, and that one. Um Till I Die is killer. Till I Die is beautiful. Um, It's a weird album because it's the first half, especially Side A, is incredibly weird and just not very organized, like Disney Girls, which is a song Bruce Johnson wrote, which is a pretty song, but has no... I would never think of putting Disney Girls on the same record as A Day in the Life of a Tree, but I think that's what makes this album so representative of where the band was at the time. Apparently, the manager sings this song, Jack Riley, and I only I only found that out like very recently, like a year and a half ago, because no one wanted to sing these lyrics because they were so depressing. So it's Jack Riley, Van Dyke Parks does background vocals as well. And then Al Jardine comes in, but it's it's the reason I choose this song is because it I just love the post smile, which just say it's it's bad to say you love the post smile era because Brian was in an awful awful place. But I think there came there came to be more idiosyncratic expressions of the rest of the band not knowing how to produce as well as him in that not Phil Spector sound and in a way that you look at people like Animal Collective or Fleet Foxes and you think, oh, they must have loved Smiley Smile. They must have loved like Wild Honey. They must have loved 2020 and Friends. But this song is just, oh man, I remember standing on Avenue A and E 7th and playing it for a friend and just watching my friend's face change while they listen to it, which is like one of my favorite things to do is to watch how other people respond to songs that I love and to see, did you feel the same way? And, um, I just love this song. It's such a powerful song. And it's so funny that you mentioned like Disney Girls is like a weird song. Student Demonstration Time is also like, <laughs> what the fuck is that song doing on that record? <laughs> it, it really feels like, uh, it feels like it was like greatest hits constructed like in terms of being so eclectic, but not the greatest hits. Uh, um, I, I do. I, it was hard because when I saw you had this on there, I wanted to choose Surf's Up as well because I think this is the Beach Boys album because I think every Beach Boy has a song on there. I think Carl Wright's wrote um, Long, Wind, Long, Long Promise Road. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Bruce Johnson with that one. I just think every Beach Boy is represented on there. And then the second half, it's all Brian at the end. Yeah. And he's upstairs while they're recording in the in in the living room, and I just I think it's powerful because it represents where that band was at that time so so well. Next up, we got David Bowie Low, the song Warzawa, Warzawa. Oh man, co-written so with good. Eno. So good, and uh, I think there's a bit of another green world on that in terms of mood and feeling and like i always like to take warsawa and mix it next to becalmed back and forth and i have both on on vinyl and it's just oh my god 
I be- I think they're using a mini moog on that, and um, I think Eno really may he made mini moogs cry, you know. And I um, and I know this is Visconti uh, credited with production, but there's no way that there wasn't an Eno role and on the synth- on this on the keyboard sounds with this. I love this album. I I think it's my favorite of the of the Berlin era um, for Bowie. Yeah, Easel- easily. Totally. easily. I mean, this is this is the. Yeah, definitely like the gold standard of Bowie, in my opinion. Low and the I was, whole record is incredible. I, I was yeah. I listened to this song, and um, Art Decade, right, right after. Yes. Both of those, um, a lot. I went to Krakow at the beginning of this year, um, and I know that's a little, <laughs> like, little you know, cliche to like listen to Porzawa near um, in that region of the world but it was very cold obviously early January I was there um, and this I would just go walks alone in the morning and oh my god um, those two back to back were beautiful there so I just I missed that that period right before the calm before the storm and it, you know I, I wanted to choose that one and final song snowed in by pronoun off of there's no one new around you she is fantastic and yeah. i was i was early to the party with her because um my friend emmy put out this ep on her label rhyme and reason Records. yeah so i kind of like knew knew about the ep before she kind of became more popular and and stuff so i was really obsessed with this ep um early on it's really awesome it's beautiful elise is like a very good friend of mine and um i was so happy to see her record on your collection she lives literally a block and a half away and like we hang out a lot and we go to each other's shows a lot and we have a lot of we like we go to bars together a lot and i love the song i love the cp when i was writing the ending of are you having fun without me well actually the entirety of producing it i was thinking a lot about like i was inspired you know by what she was doing and um, especially the ending of this song where the vocals collapse and collide on each other and there are multiple layers. I did, I wanted, I remember specifically saying, I want to do something like that at the end of Are You Having Fun Without Me? So she's like a great friend and I, I love her songwriting. And this is like the first album, well, the first EP rather, that she started writing music for, which I think is really amazing. Yeah, it's very, very good. She is awesome. Just saw her play before the lockdown happened at that spot in Manhattan that's already closed. It was only open the for dance. Like a couple of months. Yes. Yeah, I was there. I was there. Oh, hey. Because we was, were both um, there. Because who was after uh, Nation of Language? Nation was after. of Language. Yeah, that was that's a that's a baby spot. Billy uh, Jones owns it, right? Or yeah, they, yeah. And now it's closed apparently, or whatever. Oh my God! What a weird. You know, that must have been one of the last shows I went to in the city. Yeah. It Crazy. literally must have been. That's so cool. So you're, so you're, are you a fan of Nation of Language as well? Or yes, their new album's very, very good. I like it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's funny. I think they're friends. I've maybe talked to them briefly a couple of times. But I'm pretty sure they're friends of friends because I've seen them play in a backyard in the East Village. I've seen them play in a basement in Bed-Stuy, this basement in Bed-Stuy a couple of times as well. So I've seen them oh. in really intimate settings and they're, they're very, their live show is always really intense and energetic no matter where they're playing. So that they've really got it going on. Oh, they were 
Yeah, I was. Well, I left shortly after Pronoun, but I'd seen them at Elsewhere, and I loved. The singer has like a Heaven Seventeen like quality. Like I loved it. It was really great. Um, the the show I went to see from start to finish, but that's so cool. I kind of didn't love the dance though. I thought the venue. Um, it was sort of. I mean, it must have been so expensive to run the place in that yeah. neighborhood. So I get why you wouldn't want to invest in sound. But it sort of looked like where you'd maybe host Scarface the musical a bit too. <laughs> um, like literally, like the, the the winding stairs, which was great. I thought this is unique and different. But I couldn't help but think of Tony Montana coming down and like yeah. breaking out in like an Ethel Merman, like Ethel Merman playing Tony Montana. I would pay to see that. Like, oh my God, <laughs> that would be something <laughs> to dance. We, we want to see it at the dance. It's now closed, so it'll reopen just for that. Yeah. All right. Let's play Sam, a.k.a. Glacios selections. We've got Lou Reed, Camera Obscura, the Beach Boys, David Bowie, and Pronoun. And we'll be back to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. 
Gently, it was like she never ever come. And then sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la. When the sun rose and he made to leave, you know sha la 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 la, sha la 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 la. Neither one regretted a thing. TV. 
Don't trance like us. We were born to pay. Love has gone away. And there's no one here now. And there's nothing left to say. But oh, how I miss him, baby. Oh, baby. Come on, slip away. Come on, baby. Why don't you slip away? Love has gone away. Took the rings off my fingers, and there's nothing left to say. But oh, how.
stretched to the sky a nest for birds to sit and sing but now my branches suffer and my leaves don't bear the glow they did so long ago My sap was rich and I was strong From seed to tree I grew so tall Through wind and rain I could not fall But now my branches suffer and my leaves don't offer poetry to men of song trees like me weren't meant to live if all this world can give pollution
We're back, and sadly, we're coming to the end of this edition of Look at My Records. Sam, thank you so much for being here, chatting with me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure, too. Thanks so much, Tom. Um, love chatting about music with you. And we're going to play one more song to end the show from for the very last time again everyone you can get it classio.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming platform and again proceeds will be going to the black mental health alliance and your instagram also has a gofundme on it what's your handle again it is at glassia music um and i have a gofundme that goes towards them up there cool and before we play Thunderbirds, tell me a little bit about this track. I really like the way it seems like everything on the record comes together on this track, and it's a great conclusion. Thanks. Yeah, I, thank you so much. I wrote it on guitar, and then I was listening to a lot of Suicide and Pet Sounds um, again, back and forth, back and forth between the two. I actually had like a, a playlist where I mixed um, the two like um, uh, two albums together: the '77 Suicide record and i was just really inspired by that ending and i kind of i like lullaby endings you know and i really wanted some of the songs to feel kind of like lullabies on the album um maybe that like a german bass producer would sing to their child um after coming back from a gig at 7 a.m um being a good parent um that was like an image i had in my head cool um, it's an, I, an awesome <laughs> song and i really do like how it's very kind of softer to end the record like that thank you so much i yeah um it just felt like a really good ending and it was on my voice memo as like a guitar and vocal thing um it was one of those like what's this doing here <laughs> well now it's here it was there now it's here well for me play. it was here and now it's there so yeah <laughs> Everyone, this is Thunderbirds from Glacio's brand new full length for the very last time. Sam, thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Really great to meet you in chat.
Tchau.